And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female image created he them. 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Here is the sacred historian's first account of the advent of woman, a simultaneous creation of both sexes in the image of God. It is evident from the language that there was consultation in the Godhead, and that the masculine and feminine elements were equally represented. Scott in his commentaries says, This consultation of the gods is the origin of the doctrine of the Trinity. But instead of three male personages, as generally represented, a heavenly father, mother, and son would seem more rational. The first step in the elevation of woman to her true position as an equal factor in human progress is the cultivation of the religious sentiment in regard to her dignity and equality, the recognition by the rising generation of an ideal heavenly mother to whom their prayers should be addressed as well as to a father. If language has any meaning, we have in these texts a plain declaration of the existence of the feminine element in the Godhead, equal in power and glory with the masculine, the heavenly mother and father. God created man in his own image, male and female. Thus scripture, as well as science and philosophy, declares the eternity and equality of sex, the philosophical fact without which there could have been no perpetuation of creation, no growth or development in the animal, vegetable, or mineral kingdoms, no awakening nor progressing in the world of thought. The masculine and feminine elements, exactly equal and balancing each other, are as essential to the maintenance of the equilibrium of the universe as positive and negative electricity, the centripetal and centrifugal forces, the laws of attraction which bind together all we know of this planet whereon we dwell and of the system in which we revolve. In the great work of creation, the crowning glory was realized when man and woman were evolved on the sixth day, the masculine and feminine forces in the image of God that must have existed eternally in all forms of matter and mind. All the persons in the Godhead are represented in the Elohim, the divine plurality taking counsel in regard to this last and highest form of life. Who were the members of this high council? And were they a duality or a trinity? Verse 27 declares the image of God male and female. How then is it possible to make woman an afterthought? We find in verses 5 through 16 the pronoun he used. Should it not in harmony with verse 26 be they, a dual pronoun? We may attribute this to the same cause as the use of his in verse 11 instead of it the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind instead of after its kind. The paucity of a language may give rise to many misunderstandings. The above texts plainly show the simultaneous creation of man and woman,
and their equal importance in the development of the race. All those theories based on the assumption that man was prior in the creation have no foundation in Scripture. As to woman's subjection, on which both the canon and the civil law delight to dwell, it is important to note that equal dominion is given to woman over every living thing, but not one word is said giving man dominion over woman. Here is the first title deed to this green earth giving alike to the sons and daughters of God. No lesson of woman's subjection can be fairly drawn from the first chapter of the Old Testament.